Mark eleven twenty two. And Jesus answering said to them, Have faith in God. Margin of my Bible says, Have the faith of God. Verse 23, For verily I say to you that whoever will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and not doubt in his heart, but will believe that those things that he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for our Lord Jesus. We thank you that he spoke these things so that we could receive them. Father, we don't live, our life doesn't consist just of natural things, Father, but we receive life from you by every breath that proceeds out of your mouth. Father, I thank you that for all the wonderful things Jesus did when he was here on the earth. Father, I thank you that now that he's in heaven with you, that your spirit and his spirit is here with us. And I trust him right now to do exactly what Jesus said he would do, to lead us, to guide us, to teach us, to teach us and open up your word and yourself to us. Thank you that he takes the things of yours and of Christ and transmits them to us and makes them real to us. Father, I pray and I thank you for the blood of Jesus and the power of the blood. Father, we apply that blood by faith in the blood. We apply that blood to every family, individual and family unit that's with us, that's listening to us. Father, I thank you for your awesome plans that you planned a family, that you are the author of marriage and you're the author of the family unit, the family structure, the life that's in a family. Father, I apply the blood of Jesus over every family that's represented in this place and every family that's represented by those listening. Father, we declare your best and your plans and your purposes. I pray for every mother and every father that you give them words to pray and to speak over their children, those that are in their house and those that are grown. Father, I thank you that you're the best father and the best example of a parent that any of us could ever have. Open up yourself and your plans and your purposes for us concerning parenting to us. Yeah. Father, I thank you for the vivid example you've given us of Christ in the church. I pray that you'd open up in every marriage that you will strengthen every woman and strengthen every man on the inside. That Christ may live in our hearts by faith that we being rooted and grounded in love would be able to understand, to comprehend, to grab hold of this love, the love that you are that passes understanding and passes knowledge. Father, I thank you for great strength that comes from your love. And Father, great protection that comes from your love and from your mercy. We apply the blood of Jesus over every family, every individual. In Jesus' name, amen. There is such power in the blood of Jesus that you could have the worst possible person that you can think of on this earth 
And the blood of Jesus can turn their entire life around. Amen. They receive that blood. When they receive, when you receive the blood of Jesus, you receive the mercy of God. The blood of Jesus has a voice, and the blood of Jesus speaks. And the blood of Jesus speaks greater things than the blood of any other man. The blood of this man, Jesus Christ, is the greatest blood that has ever been in any human on the face of the earth or will ever be in any human on the face of the earth, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus changes everything. The power in the blood. So we're going to be talking for a, a couple, two or three weeks here uh, about the blood of Jesus and we've got to lay some foundation and some background. Uh, but where we're going, what the Lord um, put on my heart was your family and your relationships and the power of the blood of Jesus applied to your family and to your relationship. If you're married, or you want to be married, <laughs> any other hands there? <laughs> when you apply the blood over your husband, over your wife, over yourself, this has the power to change and to overcome every difficulty. God designed that marriage should be heaven invading earth. Heaven on earth in your marriage. Marriage is a gift from God. Children are a gift from God. Thank God for children. You know how selfish some of us would be if we didn't have children? <laughs> what, do you, what are you saying about your marriage? What are you saying about your children? I wonder what you're saying to your husband or your wife about your marriage but I really wonder what you're saying where nobody else knows what you're saying. Well, we all have thoughts. Some are good and some are evil. A thought is not a problem. Thoughts are not a problem unless you let them be. What place do you give those thoughts? And so... Um, I know any problems in your relationships really have to do with the other person not understanding you. If they just understood you, then your relationship would be just fine, right? Praise the Lord. And so what we're going to do, what the Lord has instructed me to do, is we're going to you know, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, he's talking about himself on the cross, I'll draw all men unto me. 
And so if you're going to have a successful relationship in any arena of your life that's going to be fulfilling and lasting and bring a supply, it's going to be have to be centered on, based upon, founded on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is where we're going. Do you know, I cannot help your relationships and I cannot help your marriage. So let's just get that clear at the beginning. I can't help you. Jesus can, but I can't help you. I mean, obviously I'll be helping you by yielding to him and giving you the word, but your answer is in, found in him. I mean, in him, we are more than overcomers. That is so good. It's one thing to overcome a challenge and a difficulty. But it's a whole nother, it's in the realm of God to be more than an overcomer. That you more than overcome. In other words, you know, you, you come through something and you're, you're glad that you're through it and you don't want to face it ever again, but... You know, you could overcome something and it could affect you in a negative way for the rest of your life. We are more than overcomers. And we overcome how? By the blood of the Lamb and our mouth. The word of our testimony. How am I doing that? My children are a blessing from the Lord. Do you know the word says that? What would it be like if I believed that enough to activate my mouth and activate my body? That I would, with, even without words, that I would take my children and they, I would be communicating to them through my actions how much I love them and what a bless, blessing from God they are. Don't you know my children would know if I believe they're a blessing from God or a curse from my wife? We walk by faith, not by sight. If there's a part of our life that we need to walk by faith and not by sight, more than any other, it's probably our closest relationships. The people that we live with. The people that smell us when we stink. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> so many... People are bound. So many people are chained up. So many people are shackled, hogtied, disengaged. So many people are bound. But you know, my, my, one of my most favorite quotes from Smith Wigglesworth is, any man can be changed by faith, 
no matter how he may be bound. He said fettered, but that's a really old word, so. Anyone, any situation uh, can be changed. So I looked up that word because it's such an old word. I don't, you know, I know a lot of old words, but I don't know. So it really has to do with a prisoner who is shackled up at their feet. So imagine if you're, if you're shackled this morning. If I had a rope, I'd demonstrate this with somebody, but I don't. So um, I could use a mic line, I guess. And tie Jeremy's, tie Jeremy's legs and say, walk, you know. Well, you know how hard that is if, if your legs are, you know, if I tie my shoelaces together, like, how could I go forward? If I just didn't have that problem, I could just walk right across the front. Or I could walk around the back. I could jump, right? I could run. But because I'm shackled, I mean, I could do it, but I look like a prisoner, right? Well, I am a prisoner. I am bound. I'm still married. Could still be up here. But wouldn't you think that was kind of weird if you came in, the pastor's like got ankle chains? Can't move? Maybe if I had an orange suit on, you might start wondering about me. What's wrong with him? He looks like a prisoner. You know, sometimes we are prisoners. And sometimes we're prisoners because of our own thinking and because of our own speaking that we've actually bound ourselves with wrong thinking, wrong believing, and wrong words. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, you know, we sometimes call it, the, it's the great hall of fame of men and women of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, I, I love to read verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. How, how did they obtain a good report? By what? Faith. By faith. Verse 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, verse 8, Abraham, when he was called to go a place that he would afterwards receive an inheritance, obeyed and went out not knowing where he went. You know, Abraham's in the hall, faith hall of fame. But you know, Abraham was a liar. He lied about his wife, you know. Abraham was kind of fearful because he's like, man, I got this gorgeous wife. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be killed because she's so beautiful and the king's going to take her, you know. So let's just say you're my sister. And Jacob, Jacob's in the Hall of Fame of Faith and he's a deceiver. And... um. Anybody know what Rahab was? Prostitute. 
the prostitute in the, in the record of people acting by faith. I, I love this sometimes. If you ever feel like the most unspiritual person and you start to think of the things that you've done, the enemy starts to bring those back and then you agree with them because you're like, oh, let me think about these things. Let me think how, how, how unable I am for God to use me. Well, just read over here, but don't read with rose-colored glasses. Just go back and find out what these people did and the challenges they had. And you realize, wait a second. These people are lifted up as examples of men and women of faith. And like most of these people, until you get to like verse 33 where it talks about, you know, by faith they were sawn in two and some of those things, you know. <laughs> most of these people lived under the old covenant. They weren't even actually righteous. They were just uh, declared righteous and counted as righteous. Like, okay, I'll just call you righteous. Because you acted in faith. Like Abraham, we're going to look in a second in Romans chapter 3. Abraham was declared righteous. But Abraham wasn't righteous like I am righteous or you are righteous. He was just declared righteous. And yet these people making all these mistakes, stumbling the, the, the way that they did, these people are listed as men and women who live by faith, who got victories by faith. Well, if they got victories by faith, why can't you get a victory by faith? We were reading this morning before we started praying together, we were reading in uh, James chapter 5 about Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. You know, like maybe he just flew off the handle. Maybe he lost his temper. We know he got depressed. Because, man, the anointing came on him. Well, I'd like that anointing someday. Outrun the king's chariot. Can you imagine me out there? Yeah. Biden's motorcade, and I just go right past it. Maybe you go past it. I'm not sure the Secret Service would like that, but anyhow. So, but then, like, he gets depressed, and he's like, I wish I was dead. So one day he's like so anointed, he has a supernatural anointing that he is running faster than the best horses in the land. Because you know the king had the best horses in the land. And, and the next moment he's like, you know, I wish I was dead. Well, there's a lot of sermons we could, a lot, a lot of messages, a lot of things we could pull out of that and we could see, you know. But Elijah was not a perfect man. You are not a perfect person. Yet God used Elijah. Actually, he gives him as a great example of the power of a praying man. You understand when the Bible talks about man, like 90 some, well, a high percentage of the time, it's all about mankind. I'll let you know if it's only a female or male thing. In the beginning, God created man. He created them male and female. Created he them. Again, that's another subject. 
So faith, how is your situation going to change? How, maybe, you're not, maybe you're in a horrible situation and, and you're, you're about to give up hope and you, you're going to get a divorce or uh, you're just going to move away, you're going to separate. How's the situation going to change? Well, it's going to be by faith. But what kind of faith? Well, we're going to Romans 3.25, faith in the blood. Through faith in his blood. Somebody say, well, if I could just, if I could just like act in faith and, you know, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to use my faith to walk in love. Well, that's great. We should do that. You have, you have the love of God. So, you know, if you're going to do that, that means you don't wait until you feel like you love the person to love them because that feeling may never come. All right, now I have to turn over there. Romans chapter 3, verse 25, and I have written it down in several translations right here. Romans 3, 25. Whom God set forth, this is speaking of Jesus, to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Well, what does that mean? Well, if you look in my Bible, in the margin for propitiation, it says mercy seat. Who God set forth, speaking of Jesus, to be a mercy seat through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past for, for forbearance of God. Uh, my f- translation, I think, that really brings out a great picture is God's Word translation. God's Word says, God showed that Christ is the throne of mercy where God's approval is given through faith in Christ's blood. In his patience, God waited to deal with sins committed in the past. Let me read that again. God showed that Christ is the throne of mercy where God's approval is given. Christ is the throne of mercy where God's approval is given. So it's through faith in his blood What's his blood? Well, the mercy seat is the place, you remember the Ark of the Covenant? The cherubim's wings outstretched, you know? And that's the place where the blood was sprinkled. Uh, It's the mercy seat, the place where the blood was poured out. And so, um, where we obtain favor with God... Where we get God's approval is at the mercy seat. And Christ is that mercy seat. And so in Christ is where we actually receive approval from God. Sometimes I think maybe instead of thinking, you know, righteousness, you want me to come tickle her? She's so cute. I love kids. You're going to tickle her? I don't know. If I tickle my wife, she starts screaming more. Like she says, my wife is actually convinced that tickling hurts. And I said, no, that's what called a tickle. So I don't, you know, I'm not really allowed to tickle my wife, but I'm, I'm very ticklish. So, uh, you know, so I don't know if she would like it or not like it, but I'm real happy she's here. 
She's ticklish. <laughs> Maybe if you're ticklish and you don't want to be tickled, you get mad. I don't know. <laughs> you could try it and see what happens. <laughs> oh. So Christ is the place of mercy. And he is how we are approved of God. And sometimes I think when we read the scriptures concerning righteousness, you know, uh, somebody said righteousness means right standing with God. Well, let me illustrate. I'm not that smart. This comes from the word. If I could give you a good example so you could see how we relate to Christ, I think the best example would be marriage. You know, man shall leave his father, be united with his wife, the two be one flesh. It's a great mystery. <laughs> but I speak concerning what? Christ and the church. So, so let's back up just a little bit. We're talking about where we obtain mercy from God. And it's by the blood of Jesus, the poured out blood of Jesus, the spilled blood of Jesus, right? And so take Melody and I, my wife and I. If we have, if I, you know, how, how do I say it in a spiritual way? If I sin against her, Right? In other words, if we're both super tired, which never happened, <laughs> if we're both super tired, I've been failing at this, huh? So our youngest son has been coming into our room for some reason. He's like got this, you know, you think you're over all of like the, the different phases. And so like he comes in at like 1 a.m. And then he comes again at 2 a.m. And Comes at 3 a.m. We're like, Joel, just go to sleep. So, Will you pray? So we pray with him. Okay, you're good. I'm good. Go to bed. Huh. That's just my experience. It doesn't have to be yours, so I'm not confessing that over you. I'm just saying, you know. Well, uh, you know, what do you do? You're kind of like, if I don't move. I hear her moving. She's going to think I'm sleeping, so I can, like, keep sleeping. She'll take care of it. Or, you know, we start to have a discussion, and there is a misunderstanding. There's a... Many problems are a communication problem. I want to say most, but... I don't know your marriage. <laughs> but I would say most marriages, most problems are communication problems. I could say that, that I've dealt with. And so, uh, you know, you have a, a misunderstanding. And some of that comes because one of you is full of testosterone, the other you is full of estrogen. <laughs> or have different levels, you know. And so just a, some things are just a male-female issue where we just, we just see things a little differently. But maybe I'm like real, real short with her, or maybe she's like, you know, the example I love, because I can remember this, especially when we were first married, is like, 
Melody is uh, a big blessing to me. But she doesn't like intuitively just necessarily open her heart, right? So in those times when she would do it, and we'd be driving down the road, I'm driving, and she's like saying something to me. And she said, what do you think? I have no clue what she just said. Like, I was like zoning out. And so then I get this great fear, you know, like, oh my goodness, she, she opened up to me. And I have no idea what she just said. And if I say, if she just like, like finally got the courage to re- reveal something of herself that she was, um, what do you call it, apprehensive about sharing. And, and now I say, I have no idea what you just said. She's going to be like, there's no way I'm saying that over again. You know how much courage it took me to say it the first time? So I said, um, baby, I'm so sorry. I really didn't hear anything you just said. I really hope it wasn't like really intimate and personal that I need to give a good answer. Well, you know, she could, she could like hold a grudge and get pretty upset because, you know, she'd been wanting to talk to me about this for a long time. And she finally got my attention because we're in the car. She thinks she had my attention because we're in the car. And so she's opening up. Well, you know, that could actually cause something between us. And I could actually be totally unaware the whole time about it. Or maybe I could be aware of it. and Maybe she would let me know about it because there just wouldn't be the same spark in our relationship. Or there wouldn't be the same, you know, like, you can be married to someone. You could do like a job with someone. You know, you could work on someone's house, help them, take their chimney out, whatever. You, you could help them. And then they're like, well, we don't want to just do the chimney. We want to take the wall, too, and take the wall out. And... So you could work closely with someone. But, whoa, praise the Lord. You could work closely with someone and be physically present, but really there's something between you. You know, sometimes it's real evident, like they're really giving you the cold shoulder. Uh, other time it's like, whatever you're requiring of me or requesting of me, I'm doing that and nothing more. Right? I, I've gone this far, but I'm not, I'm not going any further. So you know like there's something between you. And so, so what do you do if that happens? Well, if you're like a, a Bible person, that you believe in living by the word, you're going to... Pray, and then, um, you know, depending on how explosive the situation is, then you're going to, like, say, hey, Sandy, can I talk to you? Did I do something that bothered you or upset you? Or, you know, you're going to try to, you know, uh, make amends, like broach the subject or figure out, especially if you know you did something. If you know you did something, you just need to say, forgive me. Forgive me, baby, for I have sinned. You know, Peter says, speaking of husbands, but it would apply to wives just as much, you know. You know, that you, how you treat your spouse can really hinder your prayers. 
well, I love my wife as much as I have the capacity to love my wife, but the number one person in my life is the Lord. And so my wife doesn't really, uh, if one of us would tend to like, I'm not going to talk to you because I got upset, that wouldn't be her, that would be me. That's not really her personality. Um, so I have to overcome that, right? So I overcome that. I just have little thoughts like, she should be thankful for the Lord because if it weren't for the Lord, I would just stay mad at her. <laughs> but I can't because I love the Lord. And I really love her, but I just don't feel like it right now. Well, what is that? Well, I'm letting the word govern my life. And I'm letting the word govern my flesh. And I'm letting the word govern my personality. Right? So if there's something between us, we don't have the right rapport. And, you know... I don't know why you two are sitting there, but I'll go over here. I'm going to know it, you know? So I, I said to my wife early on in our marriage, I said, what are you thinking about? And she said, nothing. And I said, well, you can't be thinking about nothing because if you're thinking about nothing, you're thinking that you're thinking about nothing. So you're thinking about something. She's like, no, I'm really not thinking about anything. And I said, are you sure you're just not aware? Like, how can you be thinking about nothing? And so I really don't fully believe her to this day, but she claims that she could be thinking about nothing. I, I don't think about nothing. Ever. I can be fully at peace and rest in the presence of the Lord. And I guess then I'm just experiencing his glory. Maybe in that sense, I don't know, it just, just baffles my mind. So you may not be the most aware person, right? So, so maybe, maybe people are having problems with you and you don't know it. And, you know, that could actually be better for you. And so, you know, those of us that kind of get an awareness, you know, you know, you don't want to like, uh, what'd they say? Did you wake up grouchy this morning? He said, no, I let her sleep. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so you may not be aware, but there could still be something between you. And eventually, even if you're not like the greatest aware person, you'll get the clue. Like, um, I feel like we're not together in this thing. <laughs> I feel like I'm standing here all, all, all on my own. Well, what the blood of Jesus did is any animosity, any lack of, you know, hitting on all cylinders, coming together, any lack of close, intimate fellowship, when, when we receive what Jesus did on the cross, between you and God, that is completely removed. That you actually become one spirit with God's own spirit. You're so in sync that you actually become one with God. And so effective and so powerful is the blood of Jesus that you think like, okay, with, with these close relationships that I have with people of the earth, right? 
the greatest closeness you could have is with another uh, person that is born again. And then two born again people coming together have the greatest closeness, the greatest satisfaction. But when you have that and you're both uh, submitted to the Lord and you are doing life together, you know, that's kind of a little bit of a picture of what God does for you when he takes away your sins and your iniquities. He's like, I'm not holding anything against you. Uh, There's nothing between us. I'm removing it all, and I'm doing it with the most precious blood that exists, the blood of my own son. In fact, I, I love you so much. I want you close to me so much. I don't want... You know, like when God would speak to them from Mount Sinai, it was with like thunder... And it was scary to them. And he said, I don't want this. I want what we had in the garden. I want such an intimacy and such a closeness with you. I want you to share your dreams, your visions, your plans, and I want to share mine with you. I want to share myself with you. Praise the Lord. Awesome. So he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, who we know is Jesus Christ, to die on the cross as a living sacrifice. His blood would be shed. And he would literally, physically Give up the ghost and die. You go to hell, preach to the captives in hell. Well, first he'd overcome the devil. And the, the, the curse in all of its forms and at every extent. In other words, however far the penalty for sin could reach a being. You know, sin comes in and then death comes in. The furthest extent, the furthest punishment, he took. And by him taking it, he set us free from it. So that we could actually be made right with God. So that there would be nothing between us and God. So that when we came to God, there would be no, you know, I love it in in Hebrews, I think it's chapter 9, we'll probably look at it next week. In Hebrews chapter 9, that the blood of Jesus not only removes the sin from your life and from God's account. You know, sometimes we keep accounts. We're like, the Lord forgives you, but I'm not. I mean, I'm going to say I am because I'm a Christian and I know I'm supposed to say that, but you know, I'm really going to treat you different. Don't get that picture of God because God would never do that. He will freely forgive you. And so he, he wipes that sin away, totally removes it. How far does he go? This is how far he goes. He goes to the very root of the problem, which is your consciousness of sin. And Hebrews says that even the blood of Jesus removes even the consciousness of sins. You know, my m- Melody teaches the kids to honor their father, you know, and, and so 
uh, some of the things like, you know, I have four young children, and so if uh, we buy something from Costco that's good to eat, sometimes I don't get any of it. And so she's been really hitting it hard lately because we buy grapes, you know, and then I'll come in, there's like, you ever have like the thing of grapes and you get like the three shriveled ones at the end or they're kind of squishy and nasty and I'll go and I'm like, oh. And so I don't, I, I never really, I don't think I complain about it. So anyhow, maybe two weeks ago, she's like, now these grapes, she got two things of grapes and she's like, you guys can eat these grapes, but these grapes are dad's grapes and you cannot eat these grapes without dad's permission. These are dad's grapes. And I'm like, oh, thank you. But you know what? I'm not going to say which one. Actually, which two? <laughs> but two of my children ate some of my grapes without asking me. So, so you know what happened? I said, Isaac can pretty much guess which one's probably. So <laughs> I said, so-and-so and so-and-so did you eat my grapes? Uh, uh, um. Well, they knew they ate my grapes. And they know they shouldn't have eaten my grapes. So they had this consciousness of sin. And one of my children, when they have this consciousness of sin, it's like, you know, if you have children... You need to believe to parent supernaturally and you trust the Holy Ghost to tell you what they're doing and what they're into. Amen. And he will reveal to you. But you know, I have one of my children, I hardly need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I can't find Because we, we, we got to finish. Um, because... You know, I'll be like, can I borrow this? Sure. Did you do something? Did you do something? No, Dad. <laughs> I didn't do anything. It's like, you might as well sew some fig leaves on. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to look in depth at the power of the blood of Jesus. And we're going to take what he did for us through the blood. And we're going to receive what he did for us. And then we're actually going to give that to our closest relationships. I mean, if I focus on the blood and I actually open my heart to what he did for me through the blood, and I let that affect me in the core of my being so that I no longer have consciousness of weakness, failure, sins, and mistakes because of how good he is and what he has done. How, if that is my focus, how can I not freely forgive her? Because I have been freely forgiven. I have been freely cleansed at great cost to Jesus Christ. Let's stand. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let, let me say this to you. 
God is, God is not aloof. He's not, he's not untouched by the challenges that we have in life, the things that are going on. In fact, he's so touched that he sent his son Jesus Christ to set us free from those so we could actually be overcoming those things so they wouldn't dominate us. And God is so good in all of his ways, but God is also a just God. He doesn't do things that are wrong. Everything he does is right at every point. He's a God of love. The Bible actually says he is love. And because he is love, he would never force anyone to be a part of his family or to make his son their Lord. But he invites every single one of us. It's not automatic. I remember one time I was talking to my aunt, and um, I said, uh, you know, have you received Jesus as your Lord? And she's like, oh, yeah. I said, when did you do that? And she said, oh, I've always been born again. I said, well, you can't always have been born again. You know, maybe did you do it at a really young age, or, or what did you do? The point is, the Bible actually says, as many as received Jesus Christ, those are the ones he gave the right to be the children of God. And so if you don't have a definite time in your life where from your heart you have chosen to take him as your Lord, to make him the Lord of your life, you let him come in, you took the weight of your whole life, and you threw it over on him, you rolled it over on him, and you said, I want you to be my Lord. I want a relationship with God, your Father. I want him to be my Father. If you've never done that in your life, uh, you're not born again. But you can be born again. The Word of God is true, and it is eternal. Many people have lots and lots of thoughts. If you ever wonder about the word, just, just go read how many prophecies have been fulfilled and what are the, what are the odds that one person could actually fill, fulfill all of those prophecies. It's not possible. It is the word of God. And so I encourage you, do everything you do, especially life-altering, life-changing decisions, you base them on what the word of God says. The word of God will never fail you. Men and women can be right, they can be wrong, but the word is always right. And the word will always come to pass. And so as many as received Jesus, those are the ones he gave the right to be the children of God, the sons of God, to be joined to God. He's not looking for you to do things perfectly. He's not looking for you to pay penance for your sins. Somebody already did that. His name is Jesus. And he loves you enough that he doesn't want to leave you in your sins. He wants to free you from your sins. But the only way he can do that is when we make a decision from our heart. What we believe comes from our heart, the real you. Your body, that, that's, that's the house you live in. But you are actually a spiritual being on the inside. And so I'm, I'm asking you right now from your spirit, just pray right now, everyone individually, ask the Lord what he would have you to do. He'll hear your prayer. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. And I'm going to pray a prayer in, in just a minute. And it's not just words that we're mouthing. You have to make a decision with your own heart that you accept 
that Jesus died on the cross and God raised him from the dead and you're deciding to make him the Lord of your life. Give him your hopes, your dreams, your whole life. Hallelujah. With every, every, every um, head bowed, eye closed. If you'd like to do that, just slip up your hand and I'm going to pray with you and for you. I'm not going to embarrass you, but we're going to pray together and God's going to hear our prayer. Say this. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to take away my sins. And that you raised him from the dead on the third day to make me right with you. Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Lord, my Savior. I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I give you my whole life. Father God, thank you for saving me, making me a part of your family. Open up your word to me that I may feed on your word and grow in grace and in knowing you. In Jesus' name, amen.